Hello, I'm Peter Eyes and welcome to the podcast stages. Today, my guest is Kevin Coxhead, who gives us terrific access to the legendary Betty Pounder. Kevin Coxhead celebrates the memory of dynamic J.C. Williamson's showmaker, Betty Pounder, in a Facebook group titled Sparkle Darlings. The phrase was a famous expression favoured by Pounder to elicit the best from her trusted stable of dancers and performers. Betty Pounder died in 1990, but has left a legacy that we continue to benefit from today. She was a unique practitioner, entrusted by the firm to travel abroad to view scheduled shows and then recreate them in Australia. Her role extended to the maintenance of shows for their commercial seasons and whilst on the road. She acted for the firm as a casting director and suggested to the producers that an all-Australian company for the pyjama game would prove to be a winning gamble. It was, and altered the reliance for international performers to take roles in local production. The careers of stars like Lamond, Perryman and Hayes quickly followed. Kevin worked with Pounder in Williamson's production of Gypsy, featuring Gloria Dawn and then Tony Lamond in the role of Mama Rose. The show impressed upon him a great passion for the theatre and an enormous respect for the woman conjuring such magic. He joined stages to share insight and reflection on the legend that is Betty Pounder. Kevin, it's lovely to meet you after um, so long. Well, we've been chatting online, haven't we? We sure have. We have. So um, it's wonderful also in this episode of Stages to be um, celebrating the life and legend of the great Betty Pounder. The great Betty Pounder. Who I gather is fair, it's fair to say that she's probably the mother of musical theatre in Australia? I, th- I think that that's a very good description of, of Pounder. Yeah. Yeah, she certainly was in the in the grand days of the, the J.C. Williamson musicals and, and then heading into um, her, her work at the Art Centre as well. Because she was with the firm, uh, yes. J.C. Williamson's, for about 30 years? She? Yes, she's, uh, I think her first uh, job with Williamson's was in 1942 uh, as, as a dancer. Uh, funny, funny, Rio Rita, funny was side up, or Rio, oh, funny side, yes, it was, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. That's right. yeah. And it, it was not long. Oh gosh, maybe six or so years, and, and then she was promoted to ballet mistress uh, on Annie Get Your Gun and lead roles came very, very quickly, and and then all of a sudden she was choreographer for for the firm for for so many years. In fact, Sue Natras um, said that she doubts there'll be anyone in the world who has worked on as many shows as, as Pounder. Yeah. Mm, it, it is extraordinary. In a variety of roles. In a variety of roles, yes. Eventually directing for the firm, didn't she? Yes, yes. Um, directing, I believe, their last, very last musical, The Wiz. The, the Wiz. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there was a, a, a production of, it might have been A Canterbury Tales or... I can't, I can't think of it off offhand now as well. But there were there were a couple of, of musicals that, that she also directed. Right. Yeah. Um known affectionately as Pounder. Known affectionately as and uh from from the very start in the in the dressing room when, when she was a dancer. And I don't know why, but for some reason she was she wasn't Betty with, with the other girls. She was she was always Pounder. 
Well, I suppose it's that, that Australian habit of giving nicknames to people. Yeah, and and yeah. sometimes, um, if it's not an obvious nickname, it's just a surname which suffices. I yes, guess. yes. Yeah. And it suited her so well. <laughs> Being a dancer, a hoofer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, always, it always seemed funny, funny when people referred to her as Betty. Right. Yeah, a little little more formal. Who, like, who are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, be, be, Betty who? Yeah. Um, so when did you first meet Pounder? I, I met Pounder in 75. I only did one show for Williamson's. People often say, you, you know, how, many, how many shows did you do? You seem to have been in everything. No, I only did one show, and that was Gypsy. But Pounder was uh, an idol of mine. I um, saw the 1970 revival of My Fair Lady, and that was my introduction to Williamson's. And then in 74, my family took me to, we went to opening night of Irene and Pounder was sitting in the row in front of us, just a couple of seats down. And and instantly I, I knew who she was and it was literally like looking into the face of God. And somehow I had the audacity to write to her and ask how you get into shows and she wrote me a, a lovely Hand typed with all the, all the letters all you know skew with within the old typewriter days, explaining that the process and that that she would get in touch if if there was um, something that, that she thought I would be suitable for. A few years before, I'd seen the Rosalind Russell version of Gypsy, and I just thought, oh my god, imagine imagine being in in that show, imagine being a farm boy and doing that Broadway number. That was just my ultimate dream. Mum called me one day at work and said, there's a telegram here for you, should I open it? And it said, please call Miss Pounder on such and such. So with trembling hand, I called the great Betty Pounder and she said, we're staging Gypsy and I'd like you to come in and audition. That was on a Thursday and I had a private audition on the Saturday. And uh, she liked me, she saw something, I guess, and, and, and that was that. That's brilliant. I mean, I guess she saw a, a young person who... Um, was determined to sort of break in to the business in whatever way they could, and they yes. were they were curious, and, and she took knew the of time my passion to for, for yeah. Williamsons as well. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And then there was a massive gap um, between when when Gypsy finished in '76, um, that the last three shows that Williamsons did um, would not have suited me. I, I I just wouldn't have embarrassed myself by even asking to audition for them. Not not my style at all. Uh, and then I'd gone into other things. I was playing the piano for ballet schools and, and, and so on. Uh, so I, I just let any thought of a, a, a dancing career go. Did you tour with Gypsy, that production? Yeah, yeah. So I, that, I, that I, was went... a, I was 18, Melbourne, Adelaide and, and Sydney. Right. So yeah. you were there uh, with the great Gloria Dawn at beginning? Gloria, yes, yeah. yes. And, uh, and Leslie Baker, who covered her. And, and then Tony Lamond. Stepped in, All right. yeah. Uh, Graham Rouse playing Herbie? Graham Rouse was, was Herbie. Sue yeah. Walker was Louise. Pamela Stevenson was Dainty June. Jack Webster was Tulsa. Clive Hearn was in it. That was a, was a, a great, great cast. Yeah. yeah. And then one day, about 30 years later, I was chatting to Joanne Adley about the old days. And I said, it's such a shame that there's nothing that really honours Pounder. There's nothing that honours the old Williamson days. And I thought, oh, bugger it, I'm going to start a little, little Facebook group and see how it goes. Well, within a couple of days, we had 100 members, and I think there's about 260 members now. Wow. And, and it's just... Um, it's, it's just exploded. It has, yeah. it has. And it's so lovely because people say, 
Someone said once, if you're feeling a little bit low, just go to the Sparkle Darlings Facebook group and it'll it'll cheer you up. And it, it's brought so many people who haven't seen each other, spoken to each other for you know, decades together. And, and it, it brings back all the memories and all the stories come flooding back. It's, it's an extraordinary archive of photographs and um, you always celebrate performers' birthdays yes. and, and opening nights. And opening nights, yeah. yes, yeah. That's great. And uh, sometimes I'll, I'll think, oh, look, I won't put this up because we've, we've done this before. It's a little bit bit boring. And, oh, I'll put some photos up. And you'd be just amazed that the, um, the thread will go on and on and on and on, even though I think, oh, we've done this twice. No one's going to be interested in talking about you know, this particular subject again. But And I guess you've been able to reconnect strange. performers who were oh, in shows oh, you know, a, 30, 40 years ago. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I put a, I, I did a tribute night to Pounder at the Magic in 2014, and, and there were people there from, from when Pounder, who, who danced with Pounder in, in shows, and they hadn't seen each other since the mid-40s. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Incredible, yeah. yeah. And look, it also serves a, it's a very sad purpose, but, but a wonderful that we can do it when somebody passes also. It's a great way of letting others know and also celebrating them. It's a celebration, yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. Which is very, very yeah. good. Sparkle Darlings, it's called. Sparkle Darlings. <laughs> this, this, this group, it's a closed group, isn't it? It is. People with a genuine interest in JCW. Yeah, with Pounder. Williamson's or some sort of contact, even if it's a family contact with right. Pounder or, or if, if they worked in some capacity with, with Williamson's. Mm. Yeah, it, it is a closed group, but it's called Sparkle Darlings. So that was a favourite saying of Pounder? Yes, or? Pounder would come by the dressing rooms and stick in, give a few notes and then turn on her heels and say, Sparkle, darlings. <laughs> or she'd pass you in the, in the corridor on the, on the way up, up to stage door, Sparkle, darlings. Her way of saying chookers. Her way of saying chookers. And she had another, <laughs> another great one, which was um, if things weren't quite going well, if things were getting a little bit sloppy. I remember she came into our dressing room one, one night and, and said, you know, this is getting a little bit sloppy. Come on, boys, smarten yourselves up. And smarten yourselves up or smarten yourself up, that was, that was another, another great one. Equivalent, the, pull up your socks. Pull up your socks. Yeah. Even if, it, I, I think if someone was doubtful about, you know, am I really, really suitable for this role? I, I don't know if, if, if I can do it. That, that, they'd get a smarten yourself up. Of course you can. So what were the, the musical influences in your childhood? You, you learnt piano, I guess? Uh, yes, learnt, learnt piano. Um, I, I think I was about 10 and mum and dad gave me a, a, a recording of My Fair Lady. Dreadful recording, shocking. But on the front, it, it was a beautiful photo, I think, of the London um, cast of in, in the Ascot scene. And I just fell in love with with the Oliver Smith set and the set. It was a great Britain. score too. And, and, and the score, even though this recording was, was very dodgy. And that that had a huge influence on me, that, that record and that particular photo as as well, and my passion for, for collecting old, tattered, ex-JC Williamson costumes that seemed to come to me somehow. So when did that uh, collection begin? How old were you? Uh, oh, that was, uh, that was only about seven or so years ago. Oh, recently? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I went in where all the old Williamson's costumes ended up for hire, uh, looking for my own to see if I could find any and found most of them. And, and lovely Maureen, who operated, the, managed the, the, the place then, said, come out the back and I'll show you some things that we just can't hire anymore because they've been hired out so much. They're, they're rags, really. 
So they were just these, well, they were rags from, from My Fair, the original My Fair Lady. And she said, oh, you know, I'll, I'll sell them to you. I'd, I'd rather you have them than ultimately them, them go in the bin. So I bought them home and fixed them up to the best of my ability. And John Frost saw saw the photos and, and asked if I'd be willing to loan them to be displayed for the, uh, the, the recent recreation revival. So they travelled with, with the show. Which was a great honour. Oh, that's brilliant! And and there was phenomenal interest in them yeah. as well from from the public. I I was amazed. I thought there'd be some interest, but people were incredibly interested in them. Well, it's important to preserve our history, isn't it? It's Absolutely, our, our cultural heritage. Absolutely. If we because, don't, who else? Can do well, that? one day in in fifty years' time, there'll be no one from the old Williamson days left. All the baby Junes, the baby Louises, all the little Annie kids. In 50 years, there'll, there'll be no one left. Mm. And everything will just be some documents and maybe some old tapes and things in, in the archives and my old costumes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the firm that gave us, you know, the, those early sh- uh, shows, My Fair Lady, of course, and The Pajama Game, and yes. Funny Girl, Sweet Charity. Yes. Yeah. And you've ju- that's interesting that you, you picked those three because... They were the, the three that, that Pounder really, really pushed for an Australian lead rather than, than an import, which was very much the fashion back, back then. And I believe it was her that suggested the All-Australian Company for Pyjama Game. The Pyjama Game, yeah. yes, yes. That Williamson's, I believe, had some theatres to fill and they thought, well, let's do Pyjama Game. That, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. In- incredible. Yeah. And hence launched the careers of all those great... Lamont, Tiki Taylor. Yes. Well, Lamont was pretty established, wasn't she? Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Um, and then urged the firm to, to, to use Jill as Funny Girl, Fanny Bryce. Yes. And and, and, and also Jill in, in Pyjama Game. That's right. Who was far too young for the role. But they cast on Mabel, build. I believe, that, that wasn't working out. Oh, did they? I, yeah, did, yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. And then uh, Fred Hebert, the, the director, yes. said, well, we've got... A great We've character got lady here. Right here, yeah. She might be young, but yeah, she certainly, yeah, I believe, was magnificent. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. So, do you have a musical family? Did, did they take you to the theatre? And yes, uh, yeah. yes, we went to. As, as I say, the first one was 1970, with the revival of My Fair Lady and, and Pippin, um, Irene, Nanette. That, that that's about it, I think. Night, little night music was was in there. Yeah, Dad played the saxophone. Mum was a dancer. Dad played the violin. So there was music all the time at, at home, whether it was classical music or Victor Sylvester, <laughs> Mantovani. Were you doing shows with the, the neighbours' kids and, and all that sort of thing? As a, as a child, I was always putting on little shows, as, as I'm sure so many people yeah, that's did. our escape. Put, putting on little shows. Yeah. And, uh, and I was in the local amateur dramatic society in in melton which was wonderful back then and played the piano for the the local dancing school and did her scenery and and, and everything we find our tribe don't we with the the we, local community we, we yeah. do we, we yeah yeah do we know much about pounders childhood and family life as, as a girl not not a lot as a girl no she had a, a, a brother, and I, I, it was just the, the two of them. Her parents um, were Ballarat-born. Yes, yes. I, I know she was very shy as a, as, as a child. 
and uh, and that, that's why she was taken to to dancing lessons in in the hope that it would bring bring her out a, a little bit uh, isn't that great happy accidents like that yes just because she was a bit shy yes she went on to do the incredible work that she did i know it, it it's just a, just amazing and that, then she won the um the scholarship to to go to london where i think she was 16 17 to study with edward epinosa uh, yes yeah. yes and and there's a beautiful photo that, that he's of himself that he signed to her uh, elizabeth uh, wishing you every happiness and success in your future and every time i see that photo i just think gosh if only he'd known what that future was going to be that she would basically be the the god of of australian musical theatre mm. she mm. really really was well she worked on plays as well I and on plays yeah. as well yes yeah. yes yeah. and loved and adored and respected by everyone because she gave that same respect back didn't matter who you were in in that building whether you were an imported lead member of the chorus orchestra an usher bar staff cleaner she treated everyone with the same respect mm. And sadly, that's something that that's lacking today. Yeah. Not only in the theatre, but you know, all over all over the place. Ah, oh, Valma, things ain't the way they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to class? Whatever happened yeah. to class? Yeah. yeah, I read a story that she went to. I think it was Void Drama Father um, with Rafe Richardson. She went to London mm-hmm. to watch rehearsals and and learn the blocking, and then came down, came back to Australia, prepared the Australian actors. Yes. So that when the English director and uh, Sir Rafe arrived. Yes, the production would be known. Yeah, well, was that uh, Michael Redgrave? In, Michael Redgrave in, in, in yeah. a, a Voyager, my yes, father. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. I auditioned for that. Oh, did you? Yes, oh. I was the right age. I was I was sixteen, but I was five eleven and looked about twenty one. Right. Didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, she she joined ENSA in London after studying, didn't she? The 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 entertainment. National Service Association. That, that's right. And was performing on the battlefields of France. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Which is also absolutely extraordinary. <laughs> but I think to her family's horror. So she returned to Australia at the insistence of her parents mm. and then joined J.C. Williamson, yes. I think, at about 1941. Yes, 41, 42, yeah. And it was funny side up. Funny side up. Yeah. Um, and comment that, you know, getting back to that, that conversation about class and manners, yes. that, that everybody was very polite but strict. Yes. You had to go to the theatre nicely dressed. Absolutely. More than nicely dressed. Was that a, a J.C. Williamson's mantra when you did Gypsy? No. It used, we still had to be uh, careful of, of, of how, how we looked. Uh, but certainly not not to the extent that the, the way it was in the forties, fifties, and, and probably probably sixties as well. I know forties and fifties. It was basically evening wear for, right. for for men and women, men in the suit and and tie, and and ladies uh, gloves, the the full thing. Probably more in the forties for for that. But it, yeah, and the expectation was that uh, the audience who waited at stage door wanted to see you as a star whether you were the leading performer or a member of the, of the chorus it was a profession it was a profession mm. and you worked for jc williamson which was the, the the pinnacle she danced in a series of gladys moncrief yes. musical comedies yes. rosemary yeah um, made of the mountains made of, i guess yes made, made of the mountains um 
New Moon, all, all, all of them. <laughs> and had a quick memory for, for steps, so so quickly became assistant to the ballet mistress, yes. Hazel Meldrum. That's right. Now, Hazel Meldrum, I think, was one of Nancy Hay's first You're teachers. right, she yes. was, yes. yes. We'll learn about that in a couple of weeks when Nancy's a guest on stage. I've never been able to find a photo of Hazel Meldrum. I'd love to see what, what she looked like. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's quite one stern, exists. I, I think. Oh, there, yeah, there must be somewhere. Maybe Nancy's got one. Yeah. There you go. It's mm. worth um, following that. Mm. Um, Kiss Me Kate was her last show as a dancer. Yes. Um, that would have been... Did Hayes Gordon do that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That must have been tough. She absolutely loved, loved, loved to, to dance and, and and then all of a sudden was given another role as ballet mistress and, and later choreographer. But gosh, that must have been tough. I think for any dancer, when their dancing career finishes, it's um, it's a form of grief, yes. I guess. Yes. But I'm sure she, she, you know, she had the wisdom to think, I've got to diversify. Yes. I can't be a dancer forever. Forever. Mm. So... Um, Maybe she had that eye on the prize and thought, well, this is the next step I need to take. Yes, yes. J.C. Williamson's would send her to New York to learn shows. Now, this is a legend which I've often heard that, mm. well, accordingly, you know, a promotion to assistant to the ballet mistress because she had a good memory for steps. Yes. But she would go and see shows in New York and then come back and recreate them. She would watch the shows with her little notebook. She, she developed a type of um, choreographic shorthand that only she could read. I've, I've seen it and it makes absolutely no sense to me. But she developed this shorthand by watching a show and and then reversing it to, to, to teach. And that's, that's not easy to reverse something that, that, that you've seen in, in your mind. And, and I guess she wrote it down backwards as well. It's quite, quite strange. But not only was it uh, the choreography, but she would make notes of, of lighting that, that, that she felt was important in case it got lost in you know, translation or in, or in the, uh, the Bible that was sent over with, with a show. Uh, costumes, maybe things that she didn't quite like about the costumes that she thought could be tweaked. Scenery, direction, everything. Everything about a show. Wow. Yeah. And she's also learning the, the choreography of Bob Fosse... Jerome Robbins. Every style. Gower Champion. Every style. So her, her, her knowledge is extremely broad. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So she really not only specialised in, in the, say, the, the Fosse style, but it was the, the Viennese, you know, the Viennese Waltz style for My Fair Lady, which probably Bob Fosse wouldn't, wouldn't have, you know, quite been able to get his head around because he was very specific. That was all very small his, and tight. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, a different style altogether. So there was really no, no style that, that, that she couldn't just throw herself into, which is remarkable. And I read also that she wasn't always uh, kindly accepted by some of the creatives over there, but the dancers loved her. Loved and they her. were the ones who would uh, provide the information that she needed. Yes, yeah. yes. Some, some companies were very good and um, would allow her... To, uh, to to take notes or, or to be to be backstage and, and watch, but others were very protective in, in, just in case it didn't come out the way their choreographer had had wanted it. So she'd she'd have to buy buy tickets and and nick in and and do it quietly up, up the back, right. take take all, all her notes of, of a full show. A full, can you imagine the the full show writing it all down? And I, well, I suppose she probably would see it maybe three, four, five times. Yes, 
Yes. Yeah. And then improving. Because uh, she got to do some original sequences, didn't she? Original sequences. Camelot and Half a Six. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. That, yes, she did the original choreography for, for those shows. And Funny Girl, I think Rat-a-tat-tat. Was, yes, yeah. was, was also um, Pounder's work and Pounder's costume idea to use the llama instead of the the, the khaki uniforms. She thought Act, Act 2 didn't have quite as much glitz and glamour as Act 1. So she um, put the, the the cast in the gold gold lame instead of khaki. What what could be better about a war in gold lame? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there should be more of it. Um, she went to Amsterdam to to supervise Sweet Charity over there. That, that's yeah. right. Yes, gosh, you've you've been reading a lot as well. But oh, yes. it's a fascinating career. Oh, it is. It's absolutely amazing. But yes, Amsterdam for for charity. She deserves a um, a biography. I, I don't, don't think there is one. No, is there? No, no, no. It's only what we can sort of glean from pages like yours, and also what's what's on the mm. internet. Mm. Uh, she created new Australian works, also with uh, the sentimental bloke. Sentimental bloke, and a, a piece called Next How. That's right. Yeah. Yes, which I don't know too much about no, about, about that that show. And she was in a number of uh, original Australian shows as, as well, The Highwaymen at, at King's Theatre. Uh, yeah, there were, there were, I think she did maybe five original Australian musicals that have all you know, gone into. Sadly, as a lot of Australian musicals do. Just disappeared, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, she also worked for the ballet company. Yes. Creating a new new piece, a new the jazz piece, jazz spectrum. Yeah, yes. And and she was teaching jazz uh, for the Australian Ballet Company as well. At the time, giving jazz classes, and very much very much loved by the company, because it was something completely different. Did she uh, choreograph more than jazz spectrum? No, I was into that one. No, piece. it was, right. was was just the the one with uh, sets and costume or set and costumes by by John Truscott. And danced by Garth Welsh. Everyone, Mar- Marilyn Jones was yeah. in it. Just, yeah. just everyone. Yeah. But like all dancers, she obviously loved the ballet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, cl- the classical. And there's a beautiful photo of her in her her tutu and and point shoes somewhere around. I've got a, I've got a copy. I should send it to you because it's a glorious photo. As a I guess a teenager. What was she like in the rehearsal room? Because you would have worked with her on Gypsy. Uh, yeah. Was she tough? She she was she was tough and it was serious, but but uh, but but never put anyone down. Uh, was always very respectful, but 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 tough. I mean, you were there to work. You weren't weren't there to to play around. It was seri- It was serious business. Was there a sense of humour? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, de- definitely. Yeah. And what about what she would wear to rehearsal? Was it sort of um, dance gear or tight black pants, t-shirt? Yeah, something you could move in. Something you could move in. A t-shirt of the show that was on at, at the time, or maybe um, a, a black skivvy. Someone said no one wore a skivvy like Pounder. <laughs> <laughs> she was often, often in a, a good skivvy in the seventies. <laughs> Um, and great that she could direct her own productions of Salad Days. Yes. In 73. Yes. 
And a second season of Godspell in 76. That's right. There was the second Godspell, yeah, all with, with great cast as, as well. Yeah. yeah. And The Wiz, which was the last the ver- The very last, the last musical. In 76. Why did Gosh. Williamson's close down? Do you know? Is it just competition or... It, it was... It, it w- it wasn't just a thing for 1976. It was. It went back to the uh, 1800s as well. William and someone said Williamson's strength, which was their size, they were the biggest theatre company in, in in the world. They owned theatres as well. They, they? they owned theatres uh, in uh, well all over Australia, New Zealand, and I think South Africa as well. So they were known as the most powerful theatre company in the world. So that was super strong. The Cam Mac of the day. Of the day. Yeah. But someone, I think it was George Teller, said uh, our, our strength is all, our biggest strength is also our biggest weakness because you've got to keep those theatres full and you've got to keep them running unstaffed. And it happened in the, in the 1880s, in the, in, definitely in the 30s, and, and probably a little bit after as well, where the board were in serious trouble because so many, they had so many theatres that were dark but still had to be manned to a certain extent and, and there were no shows, which is why they kept dragging the Moncrief costumes and scenery out of out of stock to, to do yet an, another revival. So Williamson's was massive but also had, had problems and, and I think that the last problem was the 1976 one when it just all got... got too, too much. And I, I guess those five brothers also would be dependent <laughs> on their children or somebody else taking over the business. Yes, yeah. yes. And different partners, di- different board members. It was quite complicated. Yeah. Because yeah. John McCallum ran for a while. Didn't yes, he? Yeah. yes. Yeah. With, with Googie. Yes, the great Googie <laughs> with us. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to celebrate them at another point. You on, will on definitely. Yeah, yeah. I read something very, very sad in a pounder, you know, when she saw... Um, com- producers bringing in international creatives to direct and recreate shows mm. and you know there was probably a, no longer a role for her mm. sitting in a park one day mm. and just shedding a tear as the, the leaves fell and thinking believing that her career had finished yes well the end of Williamson's the end you know, Pounder was Williamson good yeah. Williamson's because she would um, not only direct and choreograph but Cast shows. Cast, cast shows. Travel around to, to maintain them and make sure yes. that... Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And she really was involved with, with every aspect of, of a, a show coming in. Um, costumes, the sets, the, the working on the lighting with whoever the lighting designer was. Very, very often it was Sue Natras herself. She was involved with in every aspect of, of a show. It wasn't just about getting the routines right and, and sticking them on the stage. She was an absolute powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wonderful Geraldine Turner in an episode that I recorded with her. She told this story, so she won't mind me tell- mm-hmm. telling this story, but she was at an, op- an opening night party at Pounder's Turek home. Yes. And Jeb said that she picked up a second glass of champagne and Pounder came up to her with a twinkle in her eye and said, you watch it, Missy, or I'll take you off my star list. <laughs> <laughs> Which again was how to behave as a... As a star, as a leading player. Yes. 
One champagne's one, all right. One, one champagne is all right. Two's too many. <laughs> <laughs> and Panda loved her champagne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it must have been very tough when, when the end of Williamson's came and, and she would go into her wonderful little office and, and just sit there un, until, I guess, the day came when they said, look, the office is no longer yours and, and, and you're not needed here. So she was a bit of a squatter for a while. She was a, she was a squatter in, in, in her office, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that must have been just devastating, the end of Williamson's. Therefore, the end of my working career, she would have had no thought of the, at the time that the art centre was, was waiting with you know, new ideas and, and new things that she was able to contribute to, like morning melodies and uh, directing and choreographing over for the Victorian State Opera. She had that wonderful rehearsal room behind the Madge in Sydney. Yes. Where I've, I've done many auditions and rehearsed, but that was the Betty Pounder Auditorium or dance studio or was it the Pounder dance Studios studio or, something? or something. Yeah, yes, yes. Named after us, so. Yeah. Something else that's gone. But um, yes, if anybody ever deserved a theatre to be named after them, um, We've got the wonderful Hayes Theatre that yes. after Nance. Yes. Um, we need to find a We need another theater, one now. We? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a church hall or something we can buy. Yes. The two of us and turn it into yeah, a little yeah. theatre. We'll have one down in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she, she got a bit of freelance directing work, didn't she, when she finished at, at the firm? I mean, she worked with the Victorian State Opera. Yes. With La Belle Helene. That, that's right. Um, Orpheus in the Underworld. Orpheus, yeah, and and um, My Fair Lady, the the, the later. That was her last the, show, wasn't it? She she choreographed that. Yes, I think that, that was, was eighty eight. Louis Fiander. Yes. Helen Bidet. That that's right. Warren Mitchell. Noel, Noel, Ferrier. Noel Ferrier. June Bromhill. Simon Gallagher. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh yes, and yes. a chorus full of full of people that everyone knows today, or all you know all of our vintage knows. Were you in touch with her at all after no. those J.C. Williamson's days? Or? No. no. The last time I saw Pounder, I was working at, at Channel 10. I was the lead set dresser on, on Neighbours. And she came in to do an interview on Good Morning, or record an interview on Good Morning Melbourne. And I'm pretty sure it was with Roy Hampson. And I heard she was in the green room. And I just rushed in. I, I just had to see her. And uh, and she, she remembered me. And it was, it was very, very special. And I... I wish I wish I'd known then what I know now. I wish I'd I wish I'd had the questions in my head then that are in my head now. So many times some, something will come up, things that we've been talking about, and oh, I wonder what I wonder what happened about that. I wonder how she felt about that, or who was it? Why is this photo here, and why is she in this photo? So bloody annoying when people pass over and they can't give you the answers to all these questions. <laughs> You need a, a, a musical seance or something. Oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> You've thought of it, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was astounded to also learn that she worked as a casting person for Crawford. For Crawford's, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So that would have been the time of, I guess, Carson's Law and the Sullivans. and Yeah, would have been Carson's Law, Sullivan's, um, maybe even the Matlock period, perhaps. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But certainly um, Carson's Law. Well, you look at the, someone like the Sullivans and, you know, you've got those mm. old variety music theatre performers like... Um, uh, Reg, Reg Gorman, Gorman and yes. Vicky Hammond. Yes. Um, playing parts. That, that's right. In the show. Yeah. yeah. And P- 
people I don't know if Tommy Dysart actually did I don't don't think he did but um, you know, that, those sort of people they're they're all there aren't, aren't they for for little guest roles yeah 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 great characters yeah, absolutely she worked for the Ministry of the Arts in Victoria yes and what did that involve uh, staging various concerts I guess staging the the, the concerts uh, at the My Music Bowl. Um, well, I wonder was that morning melodies. She, I think, she actually invented the term morning melodies at the art center. At, at the art center, and they're everywhere. You know, every yeah, every pub's got a morning melodies going in, in it now. Which is like a, what? It's a, it's a, a variety performance for senior sits. Yes, of a morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and sometimes not right. so senior sits <laughs> as well. Yeah, depending yeah. who the artist is. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, like the old days of, of the, the, the Tivoli, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes, and as you say, everyone's got a morning melodies now. Yes. Um, sadly, she died of breast cancer. That's right. 1990. She was 69. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was married to a muso, though, wasn't she? Yes. Yeah. John. And uh, and John played the, the saxophone in the Williamson Orchestra. Presumably that that's where they met while Pounder was on stage and John was in, in the pit. Yeah. Yes. And she cared for him for... For, for a, a long time when he became quite quite ill as well did they have children no right no well they they, they didn't but they did because well yes the whole family in the, of the theater that the whole the whole family it was funny when i was um uh putting on my little tribute night for for pounder at, at the madge in uh a few years ago i was listening to some music that i, I was working on for the the little show and I drove past the the apartment at, at um, on Alexandra Avenue, and I said out loud, I wonder, "I wonder if you even remember who I am." And as quick as a flash, it was so quick. In my head, I I heard, "I remember all my children, Kevin." It was so so clear and so quick. I don't know if it was something that I put there, or yeah. I'm 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 a great believer in things that come to our mind aren't always of our own doing. So the reunion is an annual affair that you have at the match? I, no, I always like to have uh, a, a get-together on her birthday and on the anniversary of her passing. What were those dates? Uh, goodness. I think the, August, the, the, August the 8th or 7th? August the 8th, I think. Yes, because yes. yes. they're, they're very, they're December very close. And, and the December 7th. Yeah, they're, they're both very, very close. Mm. And that, that that might be a morning tea at the Madge, or it might be a, a restaurant night, for for people to come along and and, and join in. Uh, and then the the big reunions I like to do if there's a a fortieth, fiftieth, sixtieth anniversary of of a show, then to have something for the cast uh, at, at the Madge. And then in in a couple of years for her centenary. I know, one hundred years since since her birth. Wow. Um, then I'm I'm planning on something something nice. There's great reference to her in the shows that she did, also in Frank Van Stratton's recent book about about her Majesty's, Majesty's Theatre yes, in Melbourne. Yes, yeah, which is always a great reference point for all sorts of things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame there weren't more photos of her in her little office because that little office was was like a, a like a temple. Like like a, a church in a way, yeah. Just where Pounder sat, and I can see it quite clearly. The the set designed by John Truscott for Jazz Spectrum on the wall behind her, and all her little mementos that the cast would give her for different shows on 
on opening nights she'd, she'd have those on on her desk and a little typewriter in the in the corner and that office is gone now um during the renovations at, at the madge they needed to upgrade things back backstage and they just made it easier for the um the walkway behind the stage so that was we, williamson's we headquarters in. at the match in melbourne yes yeah always, always. yes and it was the, the only theatre in the world and more than likely still, well, in, 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 in modern history, that everything was done on site. All the costumes were made, all the scenery, all the props, ev- everything was done on site. I think the only one other one that cl- comes close is uh, the Theatre Royal Drury Lane where they have their own paint frame. But I don't think they ever did their own costumes there. They were, they were usually done outside by different costume firms. There must be huge spaces outside the auditorium then, is there? Those workshops? All, and... all, the, all the workshops, yes. Yeah, which the, I should go in and, and see. Well, some of it's uh, apartments now. And, of course, the the sunroom where all the rehearsals were done. Did you ever go to the sunroom? No. No. no that, 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 that was up top, wasn't it? Now. I was yes, apartment. Right. Across the lane. Right. Uh, yes, up the steep and very narrow. And, stairway. Oh, my God. It was so <laughs> rickety, that, that stairway. Up to the wonderful sunroom. With that reference to a chorus line there, that very veiled reference, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, bel- I read also that she was really um, disappointed and upset that she didn't get to work Terribly. on the Australian production of a chorus line. Yes, yes, she was there for um, for some of the auditions, and uh, and at the very very early stages of of uh, of teaching the, the choreography, but it wasn't meant to be, sadly. Because that was a show that would have drawn all of her, her life history and skills and yes, in, in love of probably gypsies. in every single word of, of every single song in in the show, in in some ways, and, and I think that did um, that that was pretty cutting, that just wasn't meant meant to be. Hmm. Um, as a dancer, choreographer, director, teacher, producer, <laughs> casting director, <laughs> and much loved show business mentor, she always liked to follow her own advice which is life is a performance, not a rehearsal. So make, make the, most the most of it. it. Yeah, and it's so true. Pretty good advice, isn't That's it? It's excellent. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And we should all live by that. Try anyway. Yeah. Kevin, um, thank you for um, sharing your great passion and, and knowledge of, of uh, the legendary Betty Pounder. Um, I think people asking me. will find it of great interest. And, you know, in this these first few episodes of uh, season three of Stages, it's great that, you know, we can celebrate those those icons like Tony Lamond and Jill yes. Perryman and Kevin Johnson and Nancy Hayes yes. and, of course, Betty Pounder. That's right. That, that completes that, uh, that great group. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. It's been an, an honour to talk of Pounder. It's been great to have you. Um, Sparkle Darlings, continued joy and success with that wonderful site. And, uh, again, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much, Fred. Kevin has an extraordinary collection of costumes from the J.C. Williamson's period of musical production. I had a wonderful tour of the collection and it was a joy to be guided through such history by his extensive passion and knowledge. This is a vital part of our arts heritage and it's good to know there are folk out there ensuring that it is preserved. I encourage the younger listeners of the podcast to get out there and read, listen, view the records of history available. It's thrilling, fascinating and provides essential insight. We must understand our history to invest in the future in an informed and responsible manner. 
Join me next week when my guests are Jill Perryman and Kevin Johnson. Need I say anything about the contribution of these two to our rich theatre heritage? The pair are luminaries of the Australian stage, not only in musical theatre, but also with extensive credits in stage drama, television and film across several decades. It was a real treat to catch up with them, and I know you'll be delighted too hearing them in conversation. That's next time on Stages, two of the greats, Jill Perryman and Kevin Johnson. I'm Peter Ayers. Catch you next time on Stages. Stages.